What's up, Stitches? Welcome to episode two of season two of So What? Today's episode is the first interview of the season, and it's a really, really exciting interview. I'm interviewing two G's Bend quilters, Castor Petway and Mary Margaret Petway. This is such a huge deal. G's Bend quilts are some of the most well-known and loved quilts ever, and those quilts and the quilt makers of G's Bend are hugely important parts of textile history. This is what the trusty Wikipedia page says about the G's Bend quilts, and I'm using this quote because it encapsulates the whole thing very well. Quote, the quilts of G's Bend are among the most important African-American visual and cultural contributions to the history of art within the United States. End quote. Are you screaming about that? Because I'm screaming about that. That is amazing and so true and so wonderful, and I am just over the moon. So before the interview, I need to tell you about the quilts and the quilt makers of G's Bend. Context is important, right? G's Bend is a place. It's a tiny little isolated rural town in Alabama. In 2010, its population was 275. That is so petite! It's named after Joseph G., a North Carolina landowner who established a cotton plantation in the area in 1816. In 1845, the plantation was sold to Mark H. Petway. After emancipation, many freed enslaved individuals and family members stayed in the area as sharecroppers. Many people in the area still carry the Petway surname. G's Bend was poor and insular for much of the 20th century. Many members of the community lost their land, food, animals, and tools in the 1930s, and in 1962, the ferry service, one of the only ways to get into G's Bend, was eliminated and wasn't brought back until 2006. So clearly, the community was very small and very isolated. But throughout all of this, the women of G's Bend quilted. They sometimes used old clothing to make their quilts, things like jeans, and they often quilted as a group, all quilters sitting next to each other around the same quilting frame. And they hung their quilts outside, on clothing lines or fences, and that's how the quilts were first seen by people traveling through the area. In the 1960s, the quilts of G's Bend started getting attention. Collectors started buying them, and to a certain extent, museums did too. You know the patchwork trend of the 1970s? Well, we owe a lot of that trend to the popularity of quilts from G's Bend. The growing popularity of G's Bend quilts in the second half of the 20th century was largely thanks to folk art collector, historian, and curator William Arnett. Over the decades, many people have compared the G's Bend quilts to modernist paintings by people like Klee and Matisse and Rothko, which is all fair, but I think that the quilts don't need to be compared to paintings to be considered valuable. Luckily, there's been a very visible move toward loving, appreciating, and writing about the quilts without comparing them to paintings, and instead talking about the importance and beauty of these quilts in their own context. Which, like, very yay, such good news, I simply love to see it. Now, let's talk a bit about the quilts themselves and why they're important. Souls Grown Deep, an organization dedicated to documenting, preserving, and promoting the work of Black artists in the American South, has a lot of really beautifully written information about the quilts online. This is what Souls Grown Deep says about the quilts. Quote, G's Bend quilts carry forward an old and proud tradition of textiles made for home and family. They represent only a part of the rich body of African-American quilts, but they are in a league by themselves. Few other places can boast the extent of G's Bend's artistic achievement, the result of both geographical isolation and an unusual degree of cultural continuity. 
In few places elsewhere have works been found by three and sometimes four generations of women in the same family, or works that bear witness to visual conversations among community quilting groups and lineages. Gee's Ben's art also stands out for its flair. Quilts composed boldly and improvisationally in geometries that transform recycled work clothes and dresses, feed sacks, and fabric remnants." End quote. The quilts aren't really limited to precise geometry or specific patterns, although a lot of them have stripes and squares and bright bands of color. The quilt making came from necessity originally. The families in G's Bend had to keep warm, after all. But the quilts were entirely unique in their abstract designs, completely unlike any other quilts being made back then and even now. The contemporary quilt makers are following in the footsteps of more than a century of quilt makers, their mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-great-great-whatever-grandmothers, who are all descendants of the slaves on the G plantation. So not only are the quilts stunning, they also continue a many decades-long artistic legacy and carry on an incredibly important black textile tradition. The quilts have been exhibited at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Museum of Fine Arts Houston, the Indianapolis Museum of Art, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the Tacoma Art Museum, and the Whitney Museum of American Art, among many other places. Anyway, I got in touch with Castor Petway and Mary Margaret Petway through Instagram, and the fact that that actually worked is mind-blowing in and of itself, to be honest. Seriously, what luck. Castor and Mary Margaret aren't really related, they just have the same surname, as I mentioned earlier, most people in G's Bend do. Castor, who often goes by Cat, is the daughter of another G's Bend quilter, Indiana Bendolph. She was the second youngest of ten children, and it was Castor's daughter, Teresa, who coordinated this interview, so it really is a family affair, and I love that! Mary Margaret is a third-generation stitcher, the daughter of Lucy T. Petway. Her children also quilt, so they're the fourth generation, which is awesome. Mary Margaret is also the board chair of the Souls Grown Deep Foundation, which I just mentioned a minute ago, but as a reminder, is an organization that supports Black artists in the American South. I am so, so lucky and grateful to be interviewing Castor and Mary Margaret, especially because this generation of G's Bend quilters are getting a lot of really well-deserved press and fame right now. This is largely because you can now buy G's Bend quilts online on Etsy for the first time. G's Bend quilts being sold online is a really big deal because it means the quilts are more accessible than ever before. Nine quilters are selling a variety of quilted goods, from pot holders to wall hangings to quilts, at a variety of price points. This is what an Etsy blog post says about this brand new way of selling G's Bend quilts. Quote, the G's Bend quilters and their quilts embody storytelling, resilience, and beauty. At Etsy, we're big believers in connecting through creativity and in the undeniable magic of owning a piece of history. In partnership with Nest, a nonprofit focused on equity in the makers movement, and Souls Grown Deep, a foundation focused on elevating black artists, we are proud to support these incredible artisans showcasing their one-of-a-kind colorful creations. End quote. So cool, right? Ah! Ah! Screaming about it. What a thrill, what a joy, oh my gosh. The current G's Bend quilters are a super hot commodity, and they'll have interviews with publications like Martha Stewart Living and Architectural Digest coming out soon. So the fact that they're here, willing to talk to Lil Old Me, is huge. I've wanted to do an episode about G's Bend quilts for a long time, but I never could have imagined interviewing some of the quilters themselves. 
What a joy, what an honor, what a treat. Oh, wow. Now, right, okay, before the interview begins, I gotta give my whole social media slash Patreon spiel. As always, images of what is discussed in this episode will be on the So What social media pages at So What Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you'll see photos of Castor, Mary Margaret, their quilts, and other G's Bend quilts. And as I mentioned last episode and will keep mentioning, So What has a new website and a Patreon. The website is SoWhatPodcast.com, and the Patreon is Patreon.com slash SoWhatPodcast. If you're financially able to support the podcast, and if you want to get fun perks like membership in an exclusive Facebook group, blog posts, Q&As, and other fun things, please go to the Patreon and become a patron, because podcasting is surprisingly expensive, I found out. Okay, now that I've talked about my guests and the history of G's Bend quilting, and did my inevitable social media promotion, let's hear the actual interview. Just as an FYI, the sound quality is fairly rough, unfortunately, because the house was busy, and there was a phone call at some point, and our Wi-Fi connection wasn't great, but I hope you can hear the interview just fine. Also, when Castor and Mary Margaret talk about putting their quilts up, they mean putting their patchwork on gigantic quilting frames so they can actually quilt them. And, as a final note, in case you can't hear it, Castor's favorite quilt designs are Grandmother's Dream, Grandmother's Choice, and Housetop. Okay, there you are. Without further ado, let's start the interview. My first question for both of you is who taught you how to quilt? My mother taught me, um, and it was done the hard way. <laughs> I like to say that because uh, if it wasn't right, you got your stitches pulled out and you had to keep doing it until you got it right, you know? I learned from my mom. I didn't have to do it. It was something that I wanted to do because what she did, I did. As a child, I always looked up to her. And when she started sewing on quilt, I would sit right beside her. Even when she sewed on the machine, I still sit. I stood up beside her then because I had to thread the needle for her. Not knowing that when people get older that they can't see these two little holes in the needle. <laughs> not understand. But then, but every time, we didn't understand, but every time we had to thread a needle. And so uh, I started watching her from the sewing machine to the quilt. And when she get to the quilt, it started quilting. So when we came from school in the evening time, she gave me a needle because that's what I wanted to do. And I sat down beside her and I started sewing just like she was. Mm -hmm. And I was very young. How old were you both? I was like in the, I can't remember exactly my age, but it was like, I was like third or fourth grade during the time when I started sitting at the quilt with her. I was a bit young. I, I think it might have been the same age because at 11, I was quilting with her. Mm -hmm. I am assuming that you prefer to quilt by hand and to patchwork it all by hand, or do you actually prefer sewing it by machine? No, hand quilting, the, the tops are either made by hand or the sewing machine, but all in all, the quilting is hand quilting. Well, I make all my quilts by hand. I do the, the bottom, you know, the top by my hand. And I do the, I have been doing a lot by my hand, but I figured out something yesterday. Teresa bought me a sewing machine for Christmas, right? I said, I can make this lining with this sewing machine and I can go faster. Yeah. So, so I did a lining yesterday machine and so but I always have been doing my lining and everything everything I did was strictly with my hand 
Not with the sewing machine. Get the needle and thread and just start sewing. What was it like growing up in G's Bend, surrounded by all of these quilters all the time? <laughs> Personally, myself, I didn't know. I like to relate it to an artist colony. I didn't know. I thought everybody was just boring and little quilting, you know? We had to do it, try to keep warm at one point. But uh, growing up down here, I think it's the best place in the world for anybody to grow up. Mm. Uh, it's good for the children. They get plenty of fresh air. And if they happen to run away from home, we always bring them back. Unharmed, <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Nice, easy. Everybody had the same, which was not a whole lot of nothing, you know? So we weren't in competition with anybody, each other, you know? Um, basically, just a good, homey place to grow up. I loved it down here. Where you can go through the woods and play in the, the little creeks and... Mm -hmm. All of the good stuff, you learn how to swim somewhere you may or should not have learned. And you, you know, got your spanking when you came back home and did it all again the next day. Yeah, so, yeah, growing up down here, it was pretty easy, pretty nice. Yeah, and I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we grew up, we had a lot of kids naked though. So, we had a, it was fun. We yeah. had, always had somebody to play with. Yeah, and you see, I, I, you already done looked at that. You see, all I was surrounding, so we we loved at each other. We played and we didn't fight. Mm -hmm. So it was just awesome. It was just awesome. I love my childhood. Mm -hmm. I have no complaint by the way we grew up. I want to know what do you love most about quilting, and is there anything you don't like about it? Me, me first. Me, me. I got a great answer for that one. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love. About quilting, quilting itself gives you peace, a calmness, a mm. serenity in your life. Yep. You know, it helps you focus more. Now, what I don't like about it, and, and I love the finished product also, rubbing your hand across it, feeling them colors and, and quilt itself come to life. Mm. What I don't like is putting it up. I can do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean I like it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I mean, it, it's fine even where it goes. Yeah, I like it. I just I don't even dislike putting it up. I, I you see, I'm enjoying it now. Uh, yeah, I, I would enjoy this part. But yeah, yeah, but I I don't mind putting it up. I look, I got all day, so I don't mind putting it up. Yeah, I put this quilt up, start sewing on it. It's the most peaceful thing you could be doing. It really is. It's that LP, especially I be seeing him talking on the phone. I sit here, I can talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. I can watch TV. I can do whatever I want to do sitting right here. Mm -hmm. And every night then I get up and go in the kitchen and give me something to eat. I come right back to the crib. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I enjoy every aspect of quit and I just yeah. enjoy it all the way. Pretty much. Can't um, wait to get it um, Yep, I like the little design, little rolls. Yeah. And stuff it pretty. I, yeah. Well, I because if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be doing it. That's true. So therefore, I just love it. You were both born to be quilters, it sounds like. Sure. It's just like any, if, if you're doing something, you love, you're better at it automatically. Definitely. You know? So you try to be the best at what we do. Yeah, it was like a way of life, uh, you know? Yeah. We had something that we all what, always have been doing. It was a part of life with us. Because, mm -hmm. uh... Uh, when I got a little older, my mama, she had a friend that used to pay her to quilt, but she never did quilt them. 
She'll bring them and give them to me. She brought up, brought them to me, and I put them and get them fixed at all. It took me about two days to quit, to quit during that time. Mm. Uh, I really was supposed to quit it in, in the evening time, but it took, it took about two days, and I quit them and give them back to her. She called her friend to come get them and take them to her mom. Do you have favorite quilt designs you like to use? Some. Sometimes mm -hmm. I play with them. I like quilts that are like a puzzle myself. You showed that. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the grandmama and the grandmama chores, and I like the house talk. And I just like puzzles, so I do what I do. Grandmama dream, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And grandmama chores. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what fabrics and color combinations to do? Is there a method, or do you just kind of pick what you like, pick what you feel like that day? Look, when I look at my cloth and when I usually when I go to Walmart I buy some, I buy all different kinds of color because I really don't I'm not sure what kind of quilt I'm gonna make. Then when I get the cloth and I get some of my other old, old cloths to go with it, right? Then I decide, well this cloth here would it would look better as a house top. Uh, it, it's all depending on what that cloth look like and how it shoots my pattern. Cause it might be some live color or something, just like my little grandmama drink. Now they will look better in a little block quilt or something like that. And as I look at the cloth, then I decide what I'm gonna make. And see, with me, it's totally different. I'm gonna pick whatever I want. Um, I, I too buy at Walmart, you know. But if that, if I think that cloth says okay, and and I'm a fan of two and three color quilts also. I am a fan of those kinds, so I get enough for whatever I'm gonna do. And um, sometimes the cloth will actually let you dream about it the, mm -hmm. night, the night before, yeah, and it'll saying. show you what it is uh, there for. You're right, cause you know what? I know. I had that old sheet. This this a sheet right here. Mm -hmm. They had something to me for Christmas. Yeah, and so I got that sheet. And I had I had bought this piece right here, mm -hmm. and it's a real old cloth from way back there, mm -hmm. the early two thousand. Yeah. And I got the I said, then I thought about, I said that could look good like that. This one made different. You can't see it, mm -hmm. but it made different from the other quilts I have been made. See these little things right here. Mm -hmm. Then on the other end, they got that same design, like a like a house top on this side yeah. on each side. Yeah. And I had thought about that that night, and so I. Cut it out just like I had thought about. I said, that's the way it looked like when I was just thinking about what I was going to do with it. Yeah, and then at the end, at the very end, when you're finishing and then hemmed it, when you done clipped it, hemmed it, and trimmed it, mm -hmm. and you run your fingers across those stitches, you can do, you can say, say that was a, a job well done. This is beautiful. I should keep mm -hmm. this. Or, Mm -hmm. You know, but you know we ain't gonna keep them because if we did it one, we can do it again. Yeah, I said I'm gonna call this. You know? This one gonna be called Jago Loud. See, <laughs> see, she came up with a name, Jago Loud. Yeah, yeah. And, and some quilts you start putting it together one way, and it'll go another. It'll it'll call it another way. You get mm -hmm. to playing with your blocks, yeah. especially if you're doing a block quilt. Uh -huh. Then you can play with those blocks. You can tilt them on in, and it looks like something totally different. So you can do this with the quilt. You can play with it. I started out making baby quilts, right? And even though I grew up quilting full quilts, I mean, all the way up to king size, I started out making baby quilts. And I figured I could do a quilt today, and so, you know, make the top, 
quilted and hammered before 10 o'clock at night, and I can. And um, I would give my children a little scrap of material, right? And some of those designs, they made it on the floor with those scraps. They were just beautiful. I lost the pictures, of course, but some of those designs are beautiful. Yeah, I, I found the best way to straighten a quilt, too. Sometimes you can quilt a crooked quilt straight. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Other times, the best way to straighten a crooked quilt is with a pair of scissors. <laughs> That's the easiest way. It works. Yeah, you, you find out some tricks and, you know, all, everything it takes to put a quilt up in the frame and how to straighten it, how to level a quilt, all of that. You, if the, if the more you do it, the more you can do, you know? What is your favorite part of the quilt making process? Do you like, is it the cutting that's the best, the stitching, the actual quilting? Do you have a favorite? The end product, the quilted hem clip quilt itself, when you, like I say, rub your hands over it, that's my favorite part because you know that quilt is done at that point. That quilt is done, and you can comfortably, mentally and physically, go on to your next project if you have one. And if not, then you can just spread that one out and look at it and say, "Oh, I mean, I ain't, I ain't know I did that good a job," you know? Well, this is my favorite part right here. I guess you could tell because this is a messy, this is a messy, messy hobby. And and I say it, it starts off as a hobby for some people. It's a way of life for us because. We did it basically to keep warm, but this is a an, an expensive and messy hobby because by the time you're finished with this quilt, if you shake it like we used to, all them strings and rattles and stuff on the floor, all them short threads on the floor, mm -hmm. all the scraps when you're cutting on the floor, and all of that, and that, that just, it, it drives you nuts most days. Is there anything you want the world to know about your quilts or about quilt making in general? <laughs> Can't go ahead. <laughs> I got a good answer for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should give it. I would like the world to know this is the greatest harbor that you greatest harbor that you right. It's so much peace in it, love in it. But uh, me, I find beauty in it. Everything that is good. Then I could even put myself in there. You could either see the goodness in me through my quilt. The beautiful of it. It's a nice and beautiful. Yeah. Well, I want the world to see how it's a beautiful thing. I, I'm with her on that one. But also, I want the world to know I had fun doing it. I gave it my all. Mm -hmm. And when you look at my work and my stitches, you can see it. That, yeah. You know, you can see the love and, mm -hmm. and dedication. Yeah, yeah, and dedication that went into this piece. Um, however, <laughs> I want them to know it was pain, sweat, blood, and tears sometimes be going into them. Because mm -hmm. uh, literally, that's what happens sometimes. You stick your hand and start bleeding. Yeah, and, it's an ouch. Or either, you know, that's what I was telling Pastor, <laughs> I found some cream. You can actually stick that needle in your finger so yeah, much that yeah, the your finger cry. turns black. Yeah. Uh -uh. You know, uh, so it's, it's a painful process. It's painful. 
And some days you just think you're blind and you cannot see the hole in the needle. That's true. And the needle be turned sideways. Yeah. And some days you just have to look at that quilt and say, mm -mm, I can't do it today. And, and that's the way quilting is. It's, it's, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. And I have a great time doing it. But some days you look at it, uh-uh, I ain't trying it today. And then some quilts you can go right on, make, quilt, no problems. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get a quilt. I had one in 2009 I thought my mother wasn't quite telling me the truth about quilts and uh, in 2009 I moved to I bought an acre of land so I moved right mm -hmm. I actually took a quilt up there with me in the frame it took me two years to get to that same quilt and to try to get it finished so a quilt can last you from the day of and no two years <laughs> before it's finished. And I actually, it was a handmade quilt. I love the design, king size. I actually wore that quilt out on my bed. That quilt was literally falling apart when I took it out of my bed. You know, I would take it, wash it, put it right back on the bed. So it actually fell apart. I've only had one other cousin to do that. And she was a baby. I made her a quilt. And that baby drugged that quilt all through the house. I ain't never seen a baby wear out a quilt. That baby wore the back off that quilt. Because the quilt is supposed to last. I mean, people people hang them on the wall, but to me, a quilt should be used. I made a cover up with it, huh? Yeah, cover up with it. Wash it every so often, you know? Mm -hmm. It keeps it from dry rotting. Make sure you dry. I dry mine on high heat. If I wash them, I'm drying them on high heat because I want them dry, dry. And then when you put them on the bed, especially if you put a little fabric softener or something else, oh, they, they smell so good. And then they're warm when you put them on the bed. Find something you love doing. And, and you won't do mind it. doing it. Right. No, and you won't do mind it. doing it because yeah. you like doing it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Seriously, it is like more of an honor than I can even say. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. What an incredible opportunity. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the G's Bend quilters as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. I've loved G's Bend quilts since I was asked to do some research about them during an internship at the Met six years ago. So to actually talk to some of the quilters is more of an honor than I can even say. G's Bend quilts and their makers are more accessible via the internet than ever before. I'll link to all this stuff on the So What social media pages, but I'd absolutely recommend you follow at G's Bend Quilt Makers on Instagram. Caster is on Instagram too, at Quilts by Caster, C-A-S-T-E-R. And Mary Margaret is on Instagram at Petway310. That's Petway with two T's, P-E-T-T-W-A-Y. Caster is also on Etsy at Quilts by Caster, and Mary Margaret is on Etsy at Lunkies Baby. That's Lunkies, L-U-N-K-Y-S, and then Baby. But all the links to this stuff I just mentioned are on the So It social media pages and website, so you can just head there if that's easier. I'm super excited that the G's Ben Quilters are now on Instagram, so we can see all of their beautiful creations all the time. What a delight! We are so lucky. Now go out and stitch some stories and study up on the G's Bend quilts and buy one for yourself on Etsy if you can and want to. Truly, what a time to be alive. Bye!
Thank you.